Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fox and Burger podcast. I'm your co-host, Fox. And I am Burger. And today we're going to yet another place that we've never been before, China. Joining us today is Simone, a Fox from China. He's been in the fandom since 2017 and has served as a staff member for SFF, that's Super Furry Fusion, in Shanghai. We're so honored to have him as our first Chinese fur, so let's give him a big awu. Hello, everyone, and thank you for, for, for inviting me here. I am Simone. Yes, welcome, Simone, to the podcast. It has been a while. I have not seen you since, like, the last Super Furry Fusion, maybe two years ago. Yeah, I guess that. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience first by telling us about your fursona. Okay, so my fursona is basically a fox, and it just looks like a regular fox you can think of. That's basically because I decided to make a fursuit by my own because buying a fursuit is so expensive. And I don't know how good I can make the suit, so I didn't have a detailed ref sheet until I finished the fursuit head. So I draw the ref sheet based on the head. I guess that's mm, a rare way to do it. So that's basically a very uh, natural-like fox. It's it's always nice to have a uh, fox on the show, a fellow fox, Huli Ge. That's so true. <laughs> 好像好像狐狸族会在在这个时候很很普遍吧，或者是很热门。Seems very popular, uh, to have a fox as a persona even in China, I guess. I guess, but I heard that based on a survey in Taiwan, fox are not the most popular species in in Asia, especially in the females. I guess that's because of our culture. Yeah, but that is still true. is go- growing. The popularity of Asia fox is still growing, mm-hmm. and I like it. So we had a follow-up question on that. Um, how did you become a furry then? Mm, I guess for most of the furries, they become a furry by a piece of media, like a movie, a book, and mm-hmm. cartoon. And for me, that is Elvin and the Chipmunks. Oh. So I- long before I know the furry fandom, yeah. Yeah, are you, talk- mm-hmm. <laughs> are you talking? Are you talking about like yep. the early like TV series? Uh, no, I started following it from a CGI movie and then dig into the TV series. Oh, the uh, are you talking about the two thousand three Alvin and Chipmunks or two thousand three? No, 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 no. It's more like two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Okay. Seven. I guess it's two thousand seven. Oh, right. Two thousand eleven, two thousand thirteen, and then I found there was a sixty years of history of mm-hmm. Alvin and Chipmunks. I fell mm-hmm. in love with it. And in the Elven and the Chipmunks fandom, I learned there is a furry fandom, but I didn't care much until I'm into college and have more time to myself. Sure. And then Zootopia oh, came, wow. everyone becomes a furry. <laughs> yeah, Zootopia, oh yeah, for sure. Like that, that was a really big like landmark movie um, yeah. for the, uh, I guess, the fandom. And interestingly enough, I feel like uh, our audience may or may not know this, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, depending on which country you lived in, the reporter for Zootopia, like in one of the reporting scenes, the animal actually changes based on the country you lived in. So I think in, in China, like the reporter was like a panda, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's a panda. 
like like in Canada, wasn't it a moose? I think I remember something like that. I don't remember if they actually got the voice actors for the news reporters to be like actual news reporters to be in that role from those countries as, as well. I think I remember mm-hmm. that part of it too. Oh, interesting. I didn't know about that. So uh, moving on to our next section, we, we talked a little bit uh, briefly before uh, the podcast and you mentioned you did a lot of like translation work. Could you, prob- could you uh, possibly uh, tell us a little bit more about that kind of translation work, like what you worked on? Yeah, so at the start, I the only thing I do is cross-post the videos from YouTube to a Chinese-based website called Bilibili because most of the Chinese audience, they don't have access to YouTube. Right. So I ask those furry YouTubers, uh, mm-hmm. can I post your video to this Chinese mm-hmm. website so they can see your uh, see your amazing content? And many of them said yes. So I started to cross-post these mm-hmm. things. And later on, I just realized that there's another barrier beyond this internet barrier. Right. That's the language barrier, since we know the furry fandom is basically a very young fandom. And that means they may not have enough education to listen to maybe five minutes of fast English videos. So I started to do some translation for those videos I posted before I realized uh, I don't, I mean, maybe don't have enough energy to do all of this. So I gathered a group of furries and started this translating group called Furrontier and started to translate more and more videos and things like Bitter Lake, the movie. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to some video novel like Repeat, also the documentary series by Ash Coyote. Oh. And later on, I started to translate the webcomic, the uh, House Pets, starting from 2020 because I was in the pandemic. Uh, have nothing to do, can't go to school. There's got to be something I can do every day. And my teacher gave us a challenge. You should do something on a daily basis for 30 days. I was like, okay, let's try to translate horse pass. And uh, haven't been stopped because I haven't catched up with the author. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I just want to go back to what you mentioned uh, when you said that you were taking, um, like you're asking the content creators for permission to re-upload those videos from YouTube to Bilibili, yes. um, I've I've used Bilibili on occasion. I don't I don't normally go to it, but but I know I know what it is. I kind of find it interesting because like not only did you have to get kind of get across the uh, the internet barrier, obviously, but then you had to also translate because like most of the content that um, I guess furries produce is going to be in English, right? Um, I would imagine that most of the content that is produced uh, not only is in English, but it also seems to be coming from the Western world, so the U.S. and Europe. Uh, so did you say that like you started this group to basically like translate this sort of like English material into Chinese? So so like, for example, have you translated like Majira's videos in the past or? Yes, uh, a, a lot of my tra- uh, cross-posted videos are from Majira. Oh, uh, actually, okay. I just asked the permission of, let's say, Myron, North Hyena, Majira, uh, Easy Wolf. I guess that's all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe we just focus on this because they can put out new videos on, uh, I, I guess, yeah. weekly basis. Absolutely. Mm. 
But I had a final question about translation uh, back to Simone about what he does for the fandom. And then I'd like to go on to SFF. Um, what were some concepts or things that you saw in translating those like furry videos from, let's say, like Majira or whatever, whoever you're translating um, into Chinese? Like, w is there like a concept? Is there like a word? Is, are there like any phrases that you found difficult? Uh, we talked a little bit about this with carbon, like the word like other kin, uh, for example, like that's a word that is he like there's no Chinese equivalent. So like, I was just curious, like if you have it, if you had any like insight to any difficulties in translating. Okay, so talking about a word that is extremely difficult to translate into Chinese, uh, the first thing come to my mind is actually furry. Oh, right, right. Yes, in in Chinese, people tend to, you know, the 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 word furry is represents usually two kind of thing. One is the furry mm -hmm. characters, so kind of those animals. The other is the furry fans, those humans. Mm -hmm. And for those animals, people usually call them shou ren, mm -hmm. and translated it back to English word by word as beast man, mm -hmm. and. That translation is already used by the orcs. Right. So right. they already have a, a strange uh, connection. And for those furry fans, people tend to use like, shou mi, shou kong, shou ren kong, a lot of words <laughs> to describe <laughs> it. Uh, oh, right, right. I don't think they are quite accurate. And the word shou, which is beast or in English kimono whatever it is you just lack of that fluffiness of furry uh-huh uh-huh so yeah and just later this month another word uh trend in the fandom is called furry that's a actually a translatorate mm. and in a way to use some of the best word with that uh, a like mm. sound to translate this thing, just like how people translate mm -hmm. the name of the countries. Um, and there's a lot of memes. Uh, so I was, I was just asking um I was just asking him to like show the characters so we can probably flash those characters on the screen and show the pinyin mm -hmm. um because I'll, I'll just ask him like oh it's a transliteration of the word furry instead of using the words uh show me or or something like mao mao anyway continue please yes yes it all started with some meme first used to mm -hmm. target at the furries says, uh, okay, furries are terrible and something. In those memes, the furries <laughs> are referred as furry. But actually, the character fu and ri quite positive words in the Chinese language. And I found that word mm. is actually better than any other translation. Oh. So I'm considering translating this thing into furry. Mm. And before that, in the videos, I just tend to keep it English. And it's just a single word, and people can learn it. I guess that makes no difference. Oh, so so you so you did what I mm. guess we would call in translation a zero translation. You just yes, a zero translation. Oh, okay. So you just literally wrote the English word yes. using English letters, like F U R Y or something like that. You would just say furry. You wouldn't write that in Chinese. Then, but then now you're saying that like yes. this foray, uh, this like word that 
you saw from a meme, right? You like you saw this word in a meme, and the characters have like a really good meaning to them. So you would like to use that to 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 translate the word furry instead of saying something like show me or something like that. You like to use that word. Yeah, I'm definitely considering that. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, when I was first talking to the furry fandom over in China, uh, I should mention that my first job teaching English overseas was in mainland China, and mm-hmm. I was still involved with the furry fandom at that time. So I was trying to do my best to communicate with the furries that lived in mainland China, and show me was the word that they were still using. Even though it translated weirdly in Google Translate, uh, that was just what I was used to. <laughs> of course. Until I got here to um, Taiwan, I think people were using Mao Mao more often. Well, well, Mao Mao that 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 doesn't mean furry. That's more like fursuiter or fursuit. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It also just literally means furry or hairy. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. fur fur. You have the tendency yeah. to mm-hmm. mean fursuiter, but sometimes it's also used in the non-suiters, but less. Fursuits and videos aren't just... that. Those aren't the only parts of the f- furry fandom or any community. They also have the gatherings and conventions. So let's move on to talking about super furry fusion. Can you give us a brief explanation of what that event is? Okay, so Super Furry Fusion is a furry convention started in, I guess, 2018 and mm. have been going through 2019 and 2020. It happens in Shanghai every end of July, maybe the start of August during the summer vacation, so most of the students can attend it. And uh, I just want to ask: Is is it um, because I, I don't know very much about the Chinese furry fandom? Um, it what is that the very first furry convention uh, in China? No, or or has there been others? Actually, the first furry convention might started in twenty fifteen. Oh, and there's another convention in twenty seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. one of them were in the underground mall. Another in a hotel. I haven't attended them. I guess they are in Guangzhou. Oh, okay. mm. hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was your role at SFF? Uh, initially, I don't have any role in SFF, and then the in the twenty twenty SFF because of the COVID nineteen, everyone is cautious, and there were a chat chat group full of medical background furries. They may be oh. medical students. Or they may be regular people with some first aid uh, certification. And then the host would come to us and ask, Okay, um, we need a medical team for our Kong. Uh, at least this year we really need it. Right. Can you do it? Mm. And they asked me, uh, am I going to join it? I asked, okay, I'm only an electronic engineering student. I don't have a medical background. But I do have a first aid certification. So... If you have any better choice, don't choose me. And they say, no, we don't have any better choice. <laughs> so I joined them. <laughs> it was a eight-people group and divided mm. into four subgroups. Through group, through group are taking turns to take temperature of the attendees. And I'm in the first aid group sitting at the first aid desk. 
handling emergency things like uh, heat stroke and burning by the glue gun, uh, things like those. Wow, I think this is the first time we've had someone with any sort of first aid or medical training like that on the podcast, especially one that has done that for a convention. Yeah, I, I believe, um, uh, shout out to Alder. Alder is actually a doctor, by the way. So I think he has um, like actual like, you know, medical training more in terms of being a doctor at a hospital. But uh, I don't think doctor, uh, sorry, I don't think Alder has um, ever served as a uh, like a first aid slash medic at a convention. So that's kind of interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it at all stressful or eventful as part of the medical staff? Uh, it can be stressful when there are issues that we need to solve and for most of the time we just sit behind the desk and the two of us take two of us takes turns to go around the convention center and take temperatures from random people and sometimes there are emergencies like we uh, we've handled a heat stroke uh, first suitor passed out in the first suit and somebody come up to us and say hey there's a first suit passing out and we need you so the first thing we do is to grab some gears and rush to, to the sport and we found there was no first suitor so people are confused and we starting to look around and then we found him in the in the headless lounge he managed to, to crawl into the headless lounge by himself and then we take it over from there, and we have uh, like cooling pads, water, salt things. Wow, that's yeah. that's very uh, interesting. It's like you you almost made it. It's just you passed up before you could actually like <laughs> get some fresh air. That's that's uh... yeah. <laughs> but it's a good thing that you had a medical staff there to help people out. I think that's mm-hmm. always one of the more important parts of a convention. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, had, I had a question uh, just for clarification. So was that in 20... Are you talking about 2020 you guys had a con? or? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. During 2020, like late July. Actually, there mm-hmm. were at least four cons going on here in 2020. Oh, I see, I see. So it was safe, wow. it was safe enough um, that you guys were able to hold a con. I'm, I'm already hearing the cries of the American and European fairies listening to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, keep on the vaccination. Actually, I, I've, uh, on a similar note, Denver, the convention in Denver, Colorado, is requiring, like, vaccination certificates for convention goers for their upcoming 2021 convention. That's a good news. I hope they do the same for the yeah, yeah. Chinese 2020 con, whichever con they are. They need to check the certification of vaccination. I hope. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I should mention that I have been to one of the Super Fairy Fusion conventions. It was back in 2019, and uh, at that point, it was only a one-day convention, unless that's oh. changed. Uh, Super Furry, uh, Super Furry Fusion have been a one-day convention, yes, three times, but they also have this winter event called uh, Winter Furry <laughs> Fusion, I guess, and that's a one-weekend event held in, uh, in a hotel, a very large one, and last year they managed to book 
almost all of that hotel and opened all of his、uh, meeting rooms and started to sell the rooms bonded with the convention tickets. So that's what we call a real convention. I hope. Yeah, the last time I went to a convention in China. Uh, the Super Furry Fusion was just packed. Like、oh, wow. you had the first floor、yes. with like a registration area, and then you went up to the third floor, and it was just the entire third floor was just taken up by the convention. You had the main、uh, event area and dealers den area that was all in the same room, which is why it's, it was so crowded. And then you had some artist alleys along the hallways, and、mm. then you also had a photo shoot area as well. Yes, and we are so、uh, tired of that old convention center. And I heard they are <laughs> going to move on to a larger convention center this year. Right, that's that's good. That's a good.、Mm-hmm. Uh, just just for the audience' sake,、um, could you guys or do you guys know about like the attendee count though? Like over the years, like I don't know if we can maybe find the information later, but like like I don't know. Do you guys have an idea about like what the atten- what kind of numbers we're looking at for、uh, SFF? Uh, the year that I went, it、uh, was in the four digits, like、oh, at least like two k, fifteen hundred to two thousand. Oh, okay, quite large. Oh yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they seldom put out the total number of their ticket accounts, but I guess we can show some of the first few photos through the years. That that's you can see how much they evolved.、Mm-hmm. What opinions do mainland Chinese furries have about other fandoms, like in the West or in Asian countries? I don't know quite about that. Even though I do the cross-posting, I just post their contents here in China. But for them, they can only view the contents, but they can they have little experience with the actual. Foreign,、mm. foreign communities. Uh, so only only those like the international students. They may have been to America or some place and attend their con, be in their community. Uh, most of the Chinese furry, I think they they may not have a a clear image of what the other the furry community in other countries is like. And from what I heard from those international students, they are like,、uh, "Okay, I'll be in a whole new country. I'm, I'm foreign here, and the furry fandom is the the first thing I come to. And they are who give me the the help, and they are even better than the local Chinese、mm-hmm. uh, international student group. The local furry group is always more helpful." Yeah, I suppose things just not limited to language barriers. Sometimes, you know, it's just some things just come together.、Uh, maybe here's something you might have a bit more information on.、Uh, how how do most furries in China communicate with each other? Like, what do they use to communicate with each other? What apps? What websites? And all that.、Mm, nowadays, most of furries in China they communicate either QQ is something. Uh, like Telegram, <laughs> but not Telegram is、right. a communication app with a timeline like Twitter.、Mm-hmm. But yes, that's what it is. But on Twitter, you can follow other people and see their contents. But on QQ, you can 
you can only add them to your friends. You have to become mutuals to see their timeline. And before that, there was a Baidu Tieba, something like a BBS. It has a lot of sub BBS,、uh, and one of them is about furries. That was during, let me see, the twenty, the twenty oh five through twenty twenty. I guess after twenty twelve, after twenty twelve, Baidu Tieba just dies, and due to Bad management, I guess. Oh.、Uh, so people flood out of Tieba and started to use QQ more and maybe Weibo and microblog. But I don't use it. For me, I found those furry in QQ,、uh, most generally. And for those、mm-hmm. content sharing, they just go for those、uh, specific websites like Bilibili or. Uh, Zhihu, that's a Chinese furry of Korea,、uh, uh. to for sharing their contents and for communication, that's only QQ.、I、what、guess. about what about Weixin,、uh, WeChat for communication? For most young people in China, Weixin is like only for families and works, not for friends. 算是算是有有一点老牌老牌吗？<laughs> A little bit old-fashioned.、Uh, yes, even though even though WeChat is newer than QQ, but people tend、uh-huh. to、uh, keep their fan group in on QQ and sure, keep their、sure. work on WeChat. QQ, right, right.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what about like internationally? Then I think you kind of touched upon this, but、um, like if if a Chinese fur were to want to contact these,、um, like I'll, I'll use the word foreign, like these foreign. Uh, furries, so basically furries that aren't in China. Like, like I get, I'm guessing, like, do they use Telegram? Like, 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 what do they use?、Uh, I guess the foreign quote unquote furry furries are usually on Twitter. Most of them on Twitter. So、mm. I guess if I notice Chinese、that. furry want to get connected to them, the first thing they do is to follow their Twitter account. I guess.、Mm-hmm. I really noticed that, yeah. Like,、mm-hmm. like when I go to or when when I'm just browsing Twitter, I I notice that on the bio it says that they're from、uh, China, perhaps.、Um, and then like maybe it's like a. I would even say that sometimes、yes. there are some famous.、Uh, well, I wouldn't say famous, but I say like some popular Chinese furry artists who post their art on Twitter, and they get a lot of likes. Actually, I find I find that very interesting. But I'm assuming that you have to use.、Um, do you have to use a VPN to access Twitter in China? Isn't that right? Yes. We have to use VPN to access Twitter, and for those、mm-hmm. artists, I want to say,、uh, selling commissions to maybe an U.S. furry or a European furry can make a lot of money than selling those arts in China. Oh yeah, they usually have different price tags.、Mm-hmm. So for the Chinese people,、uh, it's usually cheaper, and for the European、uh, and the American furries, this usually a higher price, and. Part of it is to compensate the the fee to use PayPal. A part of it is because they need a、mm-hmm. press strategy. I w- I want to um want to ask a question.、Uh, going back to the um the Chinese furry fandom, basically, I'm really really curious about how do the、uh, general public of China, just like the average Chinese person, what do they think about furry? Do they think it's like An extension of anime or ACG? Do they think it's something entirely different? Like, do you have any insight to that? 
Hmm. Generally speaking, I guess they have little knowledge of what furry really like. Really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we need to explain it to other people, so maybe when we are first shooting and people comes around, th- when those people are maybe elderly people, those who have little experience, little knowledge of what ACG mm-hmm. or anime is. We'll just say, okay, this is something like anime. This yeah. is something like cosplaying, and they'll understand. But when it comes to those who have some knowledge of ACG or anime, they're going to come up and ask, okay, what are these characters? What <laughs> uh, content are these from? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, can can you show me how to uh, see those animes? <laughs> That's the hard part. We need to just try to explain how these are original characters and why there are so many original characters showing here, why we are here. Mm, Still, we don't have a universal way to answer that. We have to improvise. I guess we we get that a lot in the the Comic-Con. And another comment we have in Comic-Con, usually in winter, is like how warm they are. Mm -hmm. You know, those regular cosplayer they their costume barely cover their skin and we are so warm <laughs> so we just on how to tell me you way you way go on the did they ever think you're a mascot mm, no because mascot is oh, not okay. a very big culture in china most of the sports team they don't they don't really have a mascot Usually, they they know mascot for those uh those people dressed up as animals and handing out <laughs> those <laughs> advertisements in front of the mall, and they can clearly see mm-hmm. that the first suit have a better quality than those things, so they they're kind of confused. So the only thing they can think of is maybe that's cosplay, and sometimes they. Uh, they may think that's a cosplay mm-hmm. from some cartoon, and clearly we are not. Mm. So yes, there are experience when they mistake one of the bear character into an, a bear character in a Chinese cartoon. <laughs> I think on a similar but bizarre note, I think I remember at Super Fairy Fusion there was a booth advertising like Vanguard Buddy Fight or whatever. And they had their own mascot character dress up, and people got photos <laughs> of that too, along with the fursuiters. And it was like that was just a weird thing. I really want to watch Buddy Fight. I'm not. I I I watched I watched a few episodes, but uh, I don't think it's my thing. But that's kind of interesting. And also, like, I have a funny story related to this, but I'll let you talk about this first. Um, what is it like fursuiting in public areas? Do you usually need some sort of license or what do you need to do to have that be allowed and not like get kicked out by security? Hmm. I guess, do I need a lesson that usually depends on how crowded that place it is? Uh, Burger, you had an experience fursuiting in Lu Jiazui. Yeah. Right. That's the center of Shanghai. That was a really crowded place, and the uh, security asked us to take off the the mask, mm-hmm. take off the head. Yeah. Uh, yes. In you know, China is so crowded, and if you just first suit in the in the crowd, uh, those security are going to worry about you. You're going to attract a lot of people and jam the traffic. 
so Lu Jiazui and the Bound are the places where first suitors are usually not allowed. But in some less crowded places like the Northern Bound, uh, we sometimes first suit in that place. For some enclosure place like the zoo, we actually mm. had an experience when first suiting in the zoo. Mm. Uh, before that, we did contacted the the com- maybe the commercial department of the zoo and got their permission. But when we got the zoo, when we got to the zoo, the the security stopped us. They see a bunch of people holding large suitcase coming through. <laughs> and then we realized that the commercial department didn't told the security department of this event. And the commercial department was off-duty in weekends. Oh. So we were held in front of the gate for an hour. And we made a lot of phone call and talked about them. So uh, clearing, clearing things up. And after, uh, maybe after an hour, they let me in. Uh and they were nice enough to lend a, lend us a land in the stuff only area for us to change our fursuit. And the rest of the afternoon, we just uh, start the fur fursuit parade around the zoo, taking photos with the animals. That was kind of fun when we can actually fursuit in it in the zoo. That's amazing that they actually let you in. Even though there was some miscommunication there, the one time I got in a little bit of a trouble fursuiting in mainland China was I was by myself. I went to like this; it was a shopping area, but also connected to like a gardens. Because in Suzhou, there's just gardens everywhere. There's about as many gardens as there are like rivers. Hmm. So one of the gardens, cool, that was connected to like the shopping area. Yes. Um. I put on my fursuit. I get pictures with people. People are like gathering around me for photos and such. No hint at all that I that I'm like a foreigner because this was one of my fursuits where uh, almost all of my skin was basically not shown. Like I had arm sleeves and hand paws and feet and a head to cover like almost everything. And then one of the police officers comes by speaking Chinese to me. And it was a little bit difficult to communicate with this person because at this point, my Chinese was not that good. Uh, So eventually I took my head off. They realize I'm a foreigner, but they're still speaking Chinese to me, probably because they don't know any English. (laughs) And I was basically just told, you know, go away. I was kicked out to (laughs) McDonald's. Were you hungry? I was. <laughs> Did they think you were hungry? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, McDonald's. That's where a burger belongs. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's kind of nice that you didn't like you didn't get like you know quote unquote like detained or arrested. They just like you know shoot you off to a different place. That's kind of like a privilege you have when you're a white foreigner in certain Asian countries. They just <laughs> kind of treat you like you don't know better. Yes. Even if you do? Yeah. Foreigner card. Mm, kind of. So I got let, let off easy with that. Um, so outside of just going to the zoo, how often do people, how often do furries in China actually go out in fursuit and gather and stuff outside of conventions? Mm, 
as I remember during the good old days before the COVID, <laughs> maybe that's twice a month in Shanghai, I guess. Uh, you're in the park in those uh, a lot of Greenland. Sometimes we first would by the by the river. Once we even first would it in the, in my school. And nowadays there's a there's something like a furry salon or furry bar in Shanghai where they held weekly events every weekend, so you can sign up for cool. it online and take your first suit to their place, and they will provide you with snack and beverage, and you can take photos and first shooting in that place. So I guess they have these events every weekend. Every is that a place where it's like furries rented out? Like like a bar that furries rented out, or like is the bar owner furry himself? Uh, it's owned by a furry, and oh. there's a two-story oh, cool. little place. The first story was partly used as their maybe their 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 comic workshop. They make furry comics, mm-hmm. and the rest of it is usually the beverage and resting area, photo taking areas, and sure. shit like that. That's really cool. All right, I'm booking my flights. Do you do you want to join me? Michael, are we, are you, do you want to go to China? <laughs> yeah, <to> Shanghai. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think I need a visa though, right? I think Americans need visas. Uh, well, there's. We can talk about that later. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like I I think in I think in Taiwan there's really only there was like really only one place that uh, that I know of that that the quote unquote like the. It's like a cafe. It's owned. It's like the Fat Tail Cafe. I'll try to share a picture if I if I can find a picture and flash it on the screen. But um, it's it's uh like a cafe owned by a furry, I think, and they did a lot of breakfast items. But I think they closed. So yeah. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, what you guys have in Shanghai? There's also that one place in the southern part of the island where it's like a tea or drink spot, but they hand you the drinks via a furry hand through a hole in the wall. Oh yeah, I, I saw that uh, on Saudi's uh, Facebook. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what that was. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll show a picture or video of it, but like, that's sure. something to research. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Yeah, I I heard there's a, a place like this in in mainland China too, and I heard one of the the bear fursuiters just went there, and yes, they that hole will stick out a wrong furry hand and handle the beverage i heard that's because the stuff behind that paw is disabled and through this way he can communicate with you without actually letting you know what kind of disability they have so that bear fursuiter went to that place and ordered a drink in the fursuit and taking the beverage from the furry oh. hand with his mm. own furry paw. That was kind of thin. So I, I had one final question. This has to deal with traveling outside of China. I know for Infernity, if you guys didn't know this, they actually do publish where the attendee is from. And I think you can obviously, you can tell them if you don't want to do that, they, they obviously won't won't write that in. But it's kind of interesting to see the, the sort of like different nations and the different like nationalities that come uh, to Taiwan to attend Infernity. And I do remember seeing um, a few Chinese furries, like maybe five or six. But, you know, given the massive population of China, and I know that there are more Chinese furries out there, uh, do Chinese furries just 
don't do they not travel outside of China or afraid of the language barrier? Or I, I was just curious if you knew anything about that. Okay, so speaking of traveling outside of China and attending other conventions, I guess the first barrier is not the language barrier. I guess the first barrier is actually the expense. Right. Right. The international flight, the uh, hotels,、uh, food, everything outside of China, like in the U.S., in Europe, in Japan, is usually. Uh, more expensive than those in China, and those places where stuff are、uh, less expensive than China,、mm, they they usually don't have a lot of furs.、Oh. <laughs> I guess. So I guess that's the first barrier, and you know most of the furries in China they are quite young and they don't have incomes. They may think、mm-hmm. twice when they go to SFF. They need to book the bullet train. They need to、uh, book a hotel in Shanghai, which is one of the most expensive city in China. And they don't dare consider going abroad for a co- for a furry convention. And for those who do have that much money, those rich people, time is luxury. And you know, for Chinese, go to、mm. most of the countries around the world. They need a visa. Signing a visa takes a、mm. lot of time. So only those who have both the money and the time can do those international traveling, or those international st- students. Maybe they study in Europe, they study in the U.S., so they attend the local con.、Uh, right, that's what right. I see.、Mm-hmm. We do, we do know some Taiwanese furries who are in、um, who are in the U.S. right now, and hopefully to have them on the show.、Uh, for example, we have Sakura Inu and. Uh, Ina, who are Taiwanese furries in America, and what's kind of interesting is that、um, I got to meet both of them in 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 America before COVID happened. And so I would imagine that if you're like a a, a Chinese foreign student studying abroad, I think that would be a really cool opportunity to attend those cons. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, but I think now that's about it for this podcast. Thank you so much once again, Simone, for coming to this podcast. Before you go, can you give us、uh, your social media details? Any way that people can interact with you on the internet? Okay, so my Twitter handle is at crazy underline Simone underline.、Uh, do I need to spell it?、Uh, I guess I don't. And you can also find me on YouTube. Maybe it's still crazy underline Simone.、Uh, I have maybe f-、uh, three or four videos there. You can check out. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been the Fox and Burger podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening so far.、Uh, this has been Burger, and I'm Fox. And we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye bye. <laughs>